had many people that came out yesterday. Uh, so once a quarter, we have, we have some type of a conference here at Family Life that's geared to help people to grow. And uh, if you like to grow, if you like to be challenged, if you want to get closer to God, Family Life's a great church for you to be in. We had a smart, the Dave Ramsey Smart Conference yesterday. And, and man, it was, just, it was just an incredible, incredible conference. Our, earlier in the year, we had a marriage conference. And we just do these things so that you can just continue to grow. Uh, but if you, if you talk to some people that went, it was just an incredible day. We just sat there for four and a half hours getting soaked with principles that can help us to grow. How many, uh, let me tell you something, that if you have a problem in your life, there's only one way you're going to solve it. And I know what you're saying, Jesus. Well, yeah, Jesus. But you have to grow. You can outgrow your problems. You can outgrow your problems. You see, the children of Israel... When they came out of Egypt, they decided, a generation decided they didn't want to outgrow their, their problems, so they had to die in the desert so God could get their children in the promised land. Hey, we don't want to die in the desert, we want to get in the promised land. Amen? Amen. A couple just quick things. Um, today is the last day to register for our children's church camp, our kids' life camp. Uh, they go to Alvin. It's a great time. And uh, so listen, we've been advertising this for like seven or eight weeks, and I know what's going to happen. Today is the last day, and some people will call me tomorrow or email me on Wednesday and say, is it too late? And I'm going to say, yeah, it is. It's too late. And, uh, but today is not too late. So listen, uh, we, you know, we want everyone to go, and if you're a parent here, we know parenting and having kids can be expensive and difficult. We do have a couple scholarships available. Now, don't sign up for a scholarship just because it's free. If you have the money, just, you know, just, just, just pay, or if you can pay half of it. But uh, we, want, we, we don't want anyone not to be able to go to something that we do because of money. Okay, is that a good thing? Yeah. See, people always say the church is all about money. No, we give it away here. You know, you need something for free, just take it. You want some coffee, just take it. You want the chair you're sitting in, just take it home with you, you know. So, praise the Lord. So, anyway, it's a, it, it's a, it's a good, day, good day. I woke up feeling a little bit tired, but I'm feeling energized right now. I could go, I, I feel energized. So we're in a series, we're in a series on the book of Galatians, and Galatians is about choosing to live in freedom every day. How many of you know that every day when we wake up, we choose whether we're going to live in freedom or if we're going to live in bondage? Is it that easy? It really is. It really is. The choices that we make decide if we're going to be in freedom, that Christ is one for us, or if we're going to put ourselves uh, in, in, in bondage. So the Apostle Paul was a church planner which means that he took a team of people and he would travel around all different cities and towns, uh, you know, around the, the Mediterranean world, sharing Jesus Christ. And, and after they had gathered a few new Christians, realized this was a new thing, there weren't any churches in any of the towns, they would go out telling people what had just happened and how Jesus came and lived a sinless life. They would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the word gospel means good news, okay? And have you ever been to a church and you didn't feel like it was good news? Okay, don't answer that. But yeah, it's good news that Jesus came to set us free, to give us uh, freedom. And after they would find a new group of, uh, you know, lead people to the Lord and start a new group of, a little new group of Christians, they would start a church. And then after they would start the church, they would set in church leadership, elders and pastors and deacons, so that the church had a structure. And uh, then Paul would go and replicate what he just did in another place. And 
So how Paul communicated with these churches, he would write them letters. And the majority of the New Testament is letters that Paul wrote to different churches, first and second, uh, you know, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And they were letters written to him, and, and sometimes we, we know those, the Bible calls them epistles. But uh, many times they were written uh, in a corrective nature because Paul was writing to help them because they were new in their faith and sometimes they would wander a little bit off and he was writing to encourage them the path they should take. Do you ever get off the path sometimes? Come on now. Sometimes we get off the path and it's good to have people that in love and in freedom can help us and speak into our lives. So Galatians is written to a group of churches uh, in, the, in the region of Galatia. Now, today that would be modern-day Turkey. I believe you can, you can Google or, or look up maps on, on the churches in Galatia. So it was written to a group of churches. And so what they would do is they would read Paul's letter and send it to another church, and then they would read it before the congregation till all the churches had, had read it. And so what had happened in, in, in the book of Galatians is Paul had been there, and he had, he had told them about the freedom in Christ. They had received Christ. They are receiving all these benefits, peace and love and freedom in their lives. And then as soon as Paul left, a, a group from Jerusalem of kind of strict Jewish people, they were Christians, they loved Jesus, but they came in behind Paul. And uh, what they did is they started teaching these new Christians. Now, the Christians in Galatia uh, were Gentiles. They were non-Jews who had come to know the Lord. And these Jewish Christians, although well-meaning and well-intentioned, started telling them, you know, to be a real Christian, to be really godly, you have to observe the Jewish law. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes we, 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 we do that. We, we mean well, but, but our, our process of, of really thinking is, is, not, is not clearly in line with the, with the Bible. And what had happened in the Jewish law, the Jewish law had become such a bondage deal and so legalistic, there were actually 600 laws that you had to obey to fulfill the law. There were dietary laws, there were, were ceremonial laws, there were travel laws, work laws, religious laws, and it, was just, it just became impossible. How many of you, if I told you, okay, look, we're going to make this real simple. You know, Jeremiah, this week, I'm just going to give you 600 rules to follow. You know, my gosh, you know, I did good, but 598 was rough, you know. I didn't know that one was there. And, and so Paul came and said, look, following Jesus is about receiving the grace and the life of Jesus and, and following him and pursuing him in a love relationship. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And, you know, if it all becomes about law and doing all these things, Man, we're so worried about what we did or what we didn't that we don't even focus on Jesus anymore. So this is the background uh, to the book of Galatians. So week one, let me just re re rehash real quick. Re week one, it was very foundational. You can go back and listen to it on our podcast if you missed any of these. But it was called Living in the Tree of Life. And there were, there were, there were two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life just represents living life with Jesus, having a personal relationship with Jesus. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it really represents trying to work your way to Jesus, trying to be good, trying to do good works. It's about religion, duty, obligation, and the, the, these two trees. And so what we learned is Christianity really has uh, two brands 
there's really two brands of Christianity. Some people who are preaching that, you know, it's all about what you do. It's all about your actions. And one that says, hey, if you love Jesus and grow in him, your actions are going to line up with what he wants you to do anyway as Jesus is working in your life. In week two, we talked about living the crucified life. And what that's talking about is my life goes better if there's less of me and more of him. Can I get any? If there's less of me and more of him, it's going to be better for Terry. Week three was living in grace. And I don't know about you, but the, 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 the more, I'm trying to say it in a nice way, the older I get, okay, well, it's out of the hat there. The older I get, the more I realize I need to extend grace to people. It does no good to be critical of people all the time. It does no good to try to beat people down. You know, uh, I could get up here and I could say, oh, you know, you really need to come to church every week. And if you, you know, if you don't, if you don't come to church every week, if you're skipping church doing all this, you know, uh, you might feel some flames one day. Well, how many of you know that you never get somebody to do something by scaring them or making them feel bad? You get people to come by saying, but if the church helps you grow, you'll come back again, okay? And so living in grace, I needed to receive grace from the Lord, and I need to extend it to others. And many times, we're good at receiving God's grace in our life, but we're not that good at giving it to others. And, and you know, uh, that's a two-way street there. Then we talked week four about living in relationship with God. And, and we talked about we have a relationship with God as sons and daughters. And the Bible says that we are heirs with Christ, that everything that, that Jesus won through his life is ours. We're not employees. We're not slaves. We're not co-laborers. We, 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 are, we are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, and we're heirs to the kingdom of God. That's an awesome thing. So today, we're gonna, it's a very important topic. We're going to talk about living in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. And, you know, I believe that there's, there's times when we as Christians can feel isolated from God. There, there's times when we feel that our communication line between ourselves and God is broken. You know, we need direction. We need guidance in our lives. But it seems like God is silent. Man, I'm really trying. I'm working to try to connect with God. And, and, and I don't know, there's a problem with the signal there. You know, we want to hear his voice, but we just can't seem to connect with him. In fact, uh, the number one question I get as a pastor and the number one prayer request we receive at Family Life, we've received probably thousands of these, is please pray for me to hear from God. You know, please pray for me to be able to connect with God and, and really be able to commune with God. And what, they're, what they're saying is, I want to walk with God, but I just I don't feel connected. I feel like he's distant. I feel like our communication lines are broken. When I was in the military... Uh, you know, we had all these vehicles and all this, you know, high-tech communication devices. And we had one sergeant, and he was, of course, we were all 18 to 25, most of us. But he, like, he was really old. He was like 42. <laughs> wow. And, I mean, we, we treated him real nice, you know. We would, we, would, we would go to his barracks room and put some Depends in there. I mean, we, we treated him really great, you know. But he was always complaining. We're like, Sergeant Dunn, where are you at? We can never get you on the radio. My radio never works. And so finally we had a sergeant go over there, and he had a cable that wasn't connected right. And he said, Sergeant Dunn, you have to be smarter than your equipment. I was like, wow, that was low, man. But isn't that true? You can have high-tech equipment and all this, 
but you got to know how to operate it. And so we live in an age where we can communicate with everyone, and the Bible clearly tells us how to walk in, in the Spirit, how to walk with Him, but we just have a hard time following that sometimes. So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going we're to help you out. When I was in Nepal, uh, several last month I was in Nepal for about, for about two weeks, uh, training our church leaders, family life churches in Nepal. If you're in India, if you're, if you're new, we have about 200 churches in India and Nepal, family life churches that are just doing an incredible job. And one thing I noticed is, you know, normally you can communicate with anyone at any time. And, uh, but I was having a hard time com- with communicating with people back here, uh, you know, especially with my wife. Now there was a 10 and a half hour difference, but that wasn't the problem. The problem is that they have sporadic electricity, they have sporadic, uh, you know, internet, stuff like that. So, you know, uh, because that wasn't good, I would try to call her and, and I would get her, but uh, it was staticky and I couldn't hear her. I'd call and we'd be right in the middle of a conversation and the, and the call drops. And so the problem is that, you know, in Nepal, they, they don't have a great infrastructure and things that we enjoy that are so easy is not so easy over there. But anyway, I thought about that. I think that's sometimes how our Christian lives are. You know, we're trying to connect with God and we're connected. Then all of a sudden the call drops. Well, hey, what's up, you know? And, or it's staticky. And here's what I've learned. Whenever I'm not connecting with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, the problem is never on his end. It's something that I need to do. There's something that I'm, that I'm missing. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. Now we're in chapter 5 of Galatians. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read some text to get us caught up, and then we're going we're gonna to talk real practically about how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we live in the Spirit? How do we connect daily with God? Galatians 5, verse 1 through 9, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now he's telling them, what's the, burdened again by the yoke of slavery? He's telling them, man, Jesus sets you free from the law, and now you're trying to go back to the law to follow Jesus. And that's a burden. And mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, that was one aspect of obeying the law, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. And you are trying to be justified by the law, and you have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen from grace. And so what, what he's saying here is, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to get to Jesus, if you're going to get to God by the law, then if you obey one of them, you have to obey the other 599 laws. If you break just one of the laws, you're a lawbreaker. Now, if you're following Jesus through grace, then the law doesn't, doesn't apply. You're following him through grace. And he's telling them, these people are telling you that you have to be circumcised to follow Jesus. But if you, if you want to be circumcised, well, then you have to go back to their dietary laws, their religious laws, their ceremonial laws. You have to, you have to obey all of that. For through the Spirit we eagerly, eagerly await by, by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running such a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And he says this, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And so that's, that's very interesting. We're talking about, you know, walking by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, which means that 
the opposition to the Spirit is the flesh. So think about this. what he's saying is a little bit, you know, if, if you want dough without any yeast, but you drop a little bit in there and you start mixing it, the little bit goes a long way. And so the problem is if we have some flesh operating in our life and, and we don't overcome it, a little bit goes a long way. A little bit of legalism goes a long way. A little bit of duty goes a long way. And so a little bit of flesh goes a long way, and it really blocks our relationship, uh, you know, with the Lord. But grace moves us closer to God. Now, Galatians 5, verse 13 to 21, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, here it is, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So the Spirit of God and, fle and our, our fleshly desires, they're going in opposite directions. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul is telling the church here that, that, that we're, we are led either, we're either led by the Spirit of God or we're led by the flesh. Now, how many of you would agree with that? I mean, we, we have a good day. We're following the Spirit of God. We have a bad day, and, and things fall apart. But here's the problem with most Christians. Most Christians have a, a confusion syndrome going on in their lives because they're, they're being led, they're being led uh, partially by the Spirit of God and partially by their flesh. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going over here with the Spirit. I can't believe they did that. I'm going to have to drop the hammer. Oh, God is so good. The sermon was so awesome this morning. Uh, can you believe they said that to me? I mean, we're just, we're, and so, uh, you know, it, that, I think that's the problem is if we walk by the Spirit, if we learn to commune with the Holy Spirit, if we're following the Holy Spirit, it's very easy to communicate with God. It's very easy to hear His voice. But if we have all these acts of the flesh messing up our lives, and a little bit goes a long way, it can block our reception to God. And so this is something we're really having to battle with. And then he lists actually some acts of the flesh he says, which are obvious, sexual immorality, that's, that's basically just any sex outside of a relationship of a husband and a wife, one man and one woman. Impurity, debauchery, debauchery is just, uh, you know, wild living, sexual promiscuity, idolatry. Now, we don't think, you know, anyone, does anyone here this morning have a problem with idolatry? I knew that not one person ra raises their hand, you know. Uh, not one person here bows down any idols like they do around the world. And there's no one in here that has something or someone other than Christ at the throne of their heart. I think we have an idolatry problem. I mean, think about it. I, you know, whoever we worship, whoever, I mean, it can be a person, it can be a relationship. Some people put their kids above everything else. Some people put a spouse. Some people put their work, money. It's the number one driving force in their life, and that's the number one thing to do. Some people, it's hobbies or or sports, or, or foot, no, no, it's not, no, it wouldn't be football, right? It's the funniest thing. We always have the week of prayer and fasting, the first full week in January, which is when all the college football playoffs are. I do that on purpose. Come on, who has the throne of your heart? 
You can't miss one football game. My gosh, you know you can record it and come to prayer and go home. You can be a sinner and a saint at the whole same time, right? But, but I mean, think about this. Uh, I, I would say that in America we worship a lot of things. And, and if anything is at the center of your heart, if anything captures your passion more than the Lord, that's idolatry. And that's, that's part of the flesh. And then it says witchcraft. I mean, come on, witchcraft. That's, you know, no one does witchcraft. But witchcraft, you know what that word means? To control or manipulate someone else. See, when you start going these and breaking it down, you're like, my God, I'm a sinner. Right? I mean, it wouldn't take me long to put all of us, all of us have done some of these things. I mean, I'm not done. The list is, is incredible, right? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. I couldn't believe this when I was a youth pastor. And, you know, at their family life, a guy came in one day. I mean, he was in church every Sunday. His family's in church. You know, I think he's walking by the Spirit. And he had just lost his job after 23 years with the same company. Pension, retirement, everything. And he lost his job because he flew into a fit of rage at work. He started cussing at his boss, started cussing at people. And he's telling me, and I'm like, my gosh, what have I signed up for? He's one of our members. You know, and, and I'm thinking about, wow. So he had this area in his life, and the, his work told him, you know, you've done this several times, we've let it go. No more. So that fit of rage, see, walking by the flesh, it cost him his career. Now his family doesn't have any money coming in. He's trying to find a job. And, and, and so what I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, Anything, the, the flesh causes problems in our life, you know, it really, it really stops us. And so, you know, instead of a fit of rage, if we're walking by the Spirit, we say, okay, should I say that? Is that appropriate? I have to control my temper. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And it says this, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me pass you here for a minute. There's about three places in the New Testament where it says, if it lists all these actions, it says, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let, let, me, let me talk about this. When it, when, it, when it says, if you live like this, that's talking about a habitual lifestyle. So basically, if, if you don't want to have anything to do with God, and you, you want to live in sexual immorality, in witchcraft, in idolatry, and that's how you live every day, and that's what you do, then obviously you're not in the kingdom of God. You've never given your life to him. But I want to say this. The next problem is sometimes as Christians, we have a problem. And, and uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we all struggle with these things. If we dabble with the flesh, our life ends up being less than what God had intended for us to do. So what I'm saying is um, if you're doing really good in in after five years you fly into a fit of rage and you lose your job or you lose a a marriage or something like that, one, one, one dabble can devastate our lives. And what God is saying is, look, look, if you learn to overcome the flesh and don't have these things in your life, your life's going to be better. It's going to be more peaceful. You're not going to have strife in your life. You, I mean, you're not going to have all these worries that you have if, if, if you do that. Now, one of the things, I'm going to say this, I heard, I, heard a, I heard a pastor speaking one time. He t he's telling all these pastors, he's like, look, before you speak on something, perfect it. Don't speak on something you haven't perfected. And I'm like, well, I'm going to see him walk on water. I'm thinking to myself out there, I'm 23 years old. I, I got nothing to speak on. 
I have some issues, right? And so, so here, now I'm, I'm going to show you something. The Apostle Paul, the thing that I love about the Bible is that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. It tells the truth about all of the characters in the Bible. It shows their shortcomings and their successes. Now, Paul is writing this. Then in Romans, Paul wrote Romans 2, and this is what he says in Romans. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Him too. My goodness. And so there, there's, this, there's this tension between walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh, and, and we have to be so careful because we can be walking in the Spirit and we can disconnect from church, we can disconnect from spending time with God and praying and all these things, and all of a sudden we've allowed the flesh to come back. Here's something about the flesh. The flesh wakes up every day seeking a resurrection. And so the only way we can win is we got, we got to feed our spiritual man and woman so we're, 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 we're stronger than our flesh. So let me do this real quick. I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about, let me, let me make a list of what the flesh produces and what the spirit produces. And I got to about 10. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to fit on your handout. I can't do that, you know. And man, they, they want to go home, you know. So, uh, so let's look at this. Four things. The flesh produces bondage. Anytime you're bound up in the flesh, the flesh brings us into bondage. When we're in sin and bound, it, it binds us up. And it doesn't allow us to be who God created us to be. If we just allow God to work in our life and his fruit and his spirit come out of us, man, our lives are going to be so good. So the flesh produces bondage, but, but, the, but the spirit produces freedom. I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell you a little story about somebody. Y'all love hearing stories about other people because it makes you feel better about yourself, right? So I have a friend. They've been married for like 15 years one of my, my good friends and his wife, and they had a great marriage. They never argued. I mean, both serve the Lord. But there's only one thing they argued about. They argued about the budget. They, man, they got in fights about the budget all the time, knocked down drag outs. And so he said, Terry, I just don't get it. I mean, my friend was tight. Like he was a tightwad. And I'm like, you know, they budgeted everything, and he was really, he was really good with money. And because He's good with money. One day they're going to not have to work anymore and be able to retire in dignity. So they were talking to me. I'm like, so I told her, what's the problem? She's like, oh, I like the whole budget, except we, we each have a category that we can spend without asking for each other. And I seem to act, I accidentally I always go over. Come on now. And he, so I talked to him, and, and uh, he said, well, but Terry, to be fair, what we each get, I give, I, this is what I get, and I double it and give it to hers. That sounds pretty good. And the wife said, ask him what it is. <laughs> and he said, well, that's not important. The important thing is that I double it up for her, right? I mean, they're just knocked down, drag out. So they just couldn't get over it. So finally, uh, he said, I'm done with the budget. Spend whatever you want. Just like that. Do you know what happened? I'm not suggesting you try this. I tried this with another couple, and the guy looked at me and said, you don't know my wife, okay? But at, when he did that, he just said, we're not going to have each personal budget. You spend what you, what, what you do. Oh, it's been years since then, and she's never spent as much as was, that she was allotted before. So I, I said, what's the problem? And she's like, well, 
She's like, I just felt like he was trying to put me in bondage and telling me what I could do. And I'm like, that's a submissive spirit right there. But, but when he freed the thing and said, you know what? We have a budget for all this stuff. Whatever you need to spend, you just spend. Then she never spent, spent it again. And so I asked him if he was okay. And he's like, well, no, I'm really not. He said, I could have saved thousands of dollars if I had just given her freedom years ago. I said, man, that cat is just never happy. You know, you're just never happy. But the flesh produces doubt, but the spirit produces faith. See, what, what happens is, is when our flesh is working on us, we're having to doubt because we know we're not really lined up with God. And we know we're not living exactly right, and it all depends on us. When we're really stepping out and obeying God, we have faith because we're like, God, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here for you. You, you know, I, I just remember when, when you know, we were going to move here to start this church and, and, and you know, giving up a salary and all that and coming here. And I started driving through downtown Houston, and I'm like, good God, what have I done? And I wanted to call my boss up, my pastor, Brother Fran, and say, hey, you haven't hired anybody yet, have you? See, faith and doubt. But how many know that when we step out in faith and we're walking with the Spirit, it's always better. It all, you look back and you're like, man, I'm so glad I didn't, you know, uh, go the other way. I'm glad I did what God expect, asked me to do. The flesh produces religion. The flesh produces religion and the spirit produces relationship. See, religion is, is, says this, how I act is the most important. And a relationship says who you are and who you know is the most important. The fourth thing is the flesh produces legalism. How I look on the outside. You remember the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees are walking around looking all good and they got all their stuff on? And Jesus called them a whitewashed tomb. You're shaking your head. You don't even know what a whitewashed tomb is, do you? I don't either, but it sounds bad. Like, that sounds bad. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb, you know? And, and so, I mean, think about this. But the flesh produces legalism and the spirit produces grace. I want you to do, do a survey because I've never talked with anyone who thinks they're religious or legalistic. And I never have. I mean, I've talked to people who had, who had really long hair and don't wear makeup and only wear skirts, but they're not legalistic at all, right? I'm just putting it out there. Go, if you're on social media, go through all of your Instagram posts and all your Facebook posts and see, see if, if you have posts that are critical toward other, how, how other people are doing in their walk with the Lord. That you're putting posts like, a Christian should never do this or this, that, and the other. Think about that. Think about that because Jesus came with grace. Grace doesn't mean we don't grow. Grace means we give people the room to grow. See, what I think is good and what, what's acceptable for me, if somebody just met the Lord, they're not there yet. And I can help them grow or I can put them down and make them feel bad. So think about that. That's not an exhaustive list, but it'll get you somewhere. See, if you feel... If you feel this tension between walking with the Spirit and walking with the flesh, it's normal. You know, if you find yourself on the left side of the page up here in the flesh, you know, there's hope for you. You can just switch sides and, and you can learn to walk in the Spirit. So let's do this real quickly. I need about 15 more minutes, 10 or 15 more minutes. How do I walk with the Spirit? What do I do to walk with the Holy Spirit every day of my life, to have communion with God? Galatians 5, 22 through 25, it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, good kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen to this, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature. You know, that's what the flesh is. The flesh is our passions and desires to the cross, crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So how do we walk by the Spirit? There, 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 there's three simple things. Number one, it requires me to see. It requires me to see. You cannot go where you can't see. You can walk in the dark, but it's not the safest thing to do. It's possible, but it's not good. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever tried to walk through your house at night? I mean, you would think it would be obvious, easy. It's your house. So this is a long time ago when our kids were really small. And um, so Tracy wakes up one night at 2 in the morning and she startles me. She's like, I heard something. I think someone's in the house. And so I'm trying to, you know, gather myself. Then I realize, oh, well, she's not getting up. She wants me to. <laughs> That's the flesh right there. You're closer to the door. Go check, right? And so I get up out of bed, and we just come in from a vacation the night before, so we have luggage right there. It's not normally there. And so I'm walking, oh, oh, I kick the luggage, you know. And then I go out in the living room, and my kids were into Legos at the time. And I take two of them, whoa. Man, I didn't even go search the rest of the house. I went back to bed, and she's like, is it clear? I said, I think so. I dare them to come in. You just come on in. Come get some, right? That's crazy. Well, look, some, some, some of you are facing darkness. The darkness of financial ruin, the darkness of divorce, the darkness of a bad diagnosis from a doctor, the darkness of unemployment. And here's the good news. Light always defeats darkness. It always defeats darkness. If you're in a pitch dark room and you turn on a light, light always prevails. Light defeats darkness every time. Now I'm going to do something, so we're going to turn off all the lights, okay? I want, I want to prove my point. Some of you don't think that light beats darkness. So they're going to turn off all the lights in just a minute, but there's lights on the hallway. You'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> oh, I should have blacked out the back doors. But, but anyway, it's dark in here. You can't see where you're going. But, but light always defeats darkness. Who do you all want me to blow up? Justin, close your eyes. I'm kidding. But, but look at this. This is just one little light. And I, you know, I, can, I can see all of you. I can see where I'm going. Okay, guys, you can turn back on the lights. But the, so the, 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 point, the point here is this, is that light always defeats darkness. And we have to see the light of God's Word. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That means that when we're in a dark place, when we start reading and meditating on God's Word, it sheds light on every situation that, that, that we're going through. So, it, see, we don't walk by the Spirit because we get sidetracked from spiritual things because of a dark spot in our life. But if we see the truth of God's Word, if we see the value of God's Word, it sheds light where we're going, and we can clearly uh, you know, see where we're going, where, where we need to go. So, when God's Word... Uh, you know, sheds light upon us. And think about this. In, in every area, Philippians 1, verse 21, it says, this is the Apostle Paul. 
you know, he's in jail, and, and he, he's thinking he may die, he may not, who knows. But it says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So I want you to think about this. No matter what situation, what, what situation it is, uh, if you have a bad diagnosis, we're praying for God to heal us, of course. But even in the end, if he doesn't heal us on earth today, we do get healed, and heaven is better than here. Now, a lot of us have kids and grandkids, and we want to stay around as long as we can. But what I'm saying is if you go to the end of the Bible, read the last book of the Bible, at the end you figure out, you learn, hey, we win. Everything is temporary. So when we're in a dark spot, God's Word always speaks to where we're at. It always gives us hope. Uh, it keeps us in, in, in His Spirit. Romans 8, 28 says this, We know that in all things, would you say that all things? God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That means that anywhere you're at, any dark place that you're at, God has light for that area. And many times we don't see it till later. But, but, you know, we, we, have to, we have to see to walk with the Spirit. And the second thing is this, it requires us to listen. In the Bible, there's two words that are used to describe how God speaks to us. The word logos is used to describe the written word of God, the Bible. And the word rhema is, is used to describe God's voice that speaks to us directly and gives us direct revelation about a situation that we're in. I'm so thankful for God's Word because it has so much, so many incredible promises to me. But sometimes we need a direct word from the Lord, a direct revelation from Him, and God provides, provides that for us too. Now, so here's the problem. You read the Bible, and all throughout the Bible, it always says, and God said, and God spoke. But so many of us today, we have problems really listening to the voice of God. And I think it's because we're so busy. I, I mean, there's noise in our lives all the time. You know, I, I, I did, did a whole year. I need to do this again. I did a whole year where any time I was in the car, I turned off my phone and I, and I didn't listen to any radio. No Christian radio, no, any, no Christian music. I just, and it was so peaceful. I don't know why. Why did I go back? I don't know why I went back, but I went back. Probably because Tracy said, turn your phone on. I need to get you. Anyway, so. Oh, don't tell her I said that. Please don't tell her I said that. I just walked in the flesh right there. But I'm repenting. I'm going back to the Spirit, okay? But, but, but think about this. We have so much noise in our lives. Even when we pray, we're just talking and praying for people and telling God what we need, and we don't take time. Just, God, speak to me. I'm listening. And we get quiet for a minute, and then our phone beeps, and we, we, we do that, right? I mean, we just have some problems. We have, you know, ADHD of the mind, you know. And, uh, but think about this. What if we developed a habit every day, every day of our lives, we're going to have a quiet time. Well, there's no phone, no computer, and we're just going to pray and we're going to listen to God. You know, sometimes I have people from time to time, and they come in and they tell me, Terry, I'm desperate to hear from God. I'm desperate to connect with you. I, I really need this in my life. And I tell them, look, I'm not trying to be boastful or prideful, but I'm a 100% certain I can help you connect with God. And they're like, oh, man, that's a lifesaver. I said, but there's a cost. They're like, I'll pay anything, you know, handing me their visa card, right? I said, no, it's, it's not that kind of, it's not a monetary cost. There's a cost. I said, I want you to fast for seven days. They're like, whoa. And I'm like, but a real fast, a real fast. I mean, you're serious, you, you know, drink water for seven days, 
turn off your TV, don't do anything but after work, and just spend, spend several hours a day with the Lord. I promise you, by the end of the week, you will, you will, be, in, you will be walking with the Spirit. And you know, these people that come in are so desperate, I've had one person actually do it. One person all the years of ministry. One person. Their situation was so desperate that they couldn't give up. They couldn't, they couldn't fast seriously for one week and really try to connect with God. So, so I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying because that's what I do. If I feel like I'm in a rut, you fast for a few days, serious fasting. No, no, none of this, I'm, I'm fasting and then at 3 o'clock you eat enough for three days. No, no uh, you're serious, serious fasting, serious seeking uh, God out. That, that's why whenever we have our weeks of prayer and fasting, I always have the building here open. And I know many people, well, I'll just stay at home and pray. But, but you don't. You don't because our lives are busy. Our, our lives are chaotic. But if you come here, it's quiet. It's relaxing. You can spend time with God. Isaiah 30, 21 says this. Uh, Whether you turn to the right or, or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So how do we walk in the Spirit? It requires me to see. It requires me to listen. And it, and it requires me to obey. James 1, 22 do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do, do uh, what it says. When, when you, we begin to see the promises of, God, of God's word, when we begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, it gives us faith to obey. Uh, so I need, I, need a vo- I need a volunteer. Ariel, would you, would you come up? Is that okay? I'm sorry, Jeremiah. I didn't want a boy to come up because I need to hold her hand. I'm sorry. Would you come up here? Is, is it okay? I don't want to embarrass you. Okay, just for this, this deal right here, you're the Holy Spirit. Okay. okay, don't go home and tell your parents you're the Holy Spirit. They need to obey, okay? <laughs> just for right now, okay? So think if, if this is like our relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? So here, will you take my hand? Okay. Now, so I'm talking with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're communicating. But now it's time for me to follow the Holy Spirit. So anywhere you walk, I have to follow you. Okay? I mean, you walk anywhere. So, go ahead. Okay, we're good now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ariel. Hey, listen. Go up to the cafe afterwards and whatever you want is free. Drink, donuts, whatever. Whatever you want is free. Thank you. That's what we do. We're following the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit turns because he wants us to go that way, and we don't want to go that way. And we walk away from the Holy Spirit. Do you know how powerful it is when we're walking step in step with the Holy Spirit? It sends spiritual reverberations through the kingdom of God, through the kingdom of darkness, when we're walking step by step with the Holy Spirit, when we're obeying what he asks us to do. Everyone that's around us knows that we're walking with the Spirit, and the devil knows that you're walking with the Spirit. Everyone knows. When we're walking in the flesh, everyone knows. I see women beating their husband right there, right? And, but it, it, it's, so, it's so powerful. Uh, I want to close with an illustration. The worship team can start coming up. Think about this. I was 18 years old, and, we, and I was in the Army, and we flew to a different country, and we're doing all these, all these uh, uh, experiments and, and missions. And there's about 100 of us, and we're, we're, we come to a bridge. It's a pretty long bridge. 
And our sergeant who's leading tells us to break step, which means we don't march in unison over the bridge. And I'm 18 years old, so I was like, why are we doing that? He says, if we march over the bridge and everyone's walking together, the bridge will fall. Well, I'm 18 years old. So I'm like, okay. And uh, so I told somebody this last week, and they said, you're crazy. So I looked it up, and here's the deal. In 1831, a, a brigade of soldiers marched in step across England's Broton Suspension Bridge. According to the, amount, to the accounts of the time, the bridge broke apart beneath the soldiers, throwing dozens of men in the water. Structures like bridges and buildings, although they appear to, to be solid and immovable, they have a natural frequency of vibration within them and a force that's applied to an object at the same frequency as the object's natural frequency will amplify the vibration of the object in an occurrence called mechanical resonance. So what, what's that saying? That when a hundred people are all walking together, it does like that. Can you imagine what happens when we're in step with the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's just reverberating everyone. The devil knows it. People know it. Your wife knows it. Your husband knows it. So why? Why would we choose not to walk with the Holy Spirit? It's because we have flesh warring with us. And if we see the outcome, the benefits, we would for sure do it. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. Did you, did, did you receive encouragement today? Thank you, Lord. God, Paul told the church in Galatia that if you walk in my spirit, with my spirit, instead of with the flesh, your life will be better. Instead of bondage, you'll receive freedom. Instead of religion, you'll get a relationship. Instead of legalism, you'll get grace. So, Lord God, we just ask you right now to forgive us for walking in the flesh. Let's just, church, if, 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 if you're just honest and say, man, sometimes I've been walking in the flesh and it's hurting my relationship with God, would you just raise your hands to God? Say, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for, for walking in the flesh, for letting the flesh affect my walking. God, right now, we, just, we, we come before you because we desperately want to walk in your spirit. We want to walk with you. We want to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. We want to see the light of the Spirit. We, we want to hear the voice of God, and we want to obey where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. God, right now, I just pray your Spirit is touching us. Lord, your Spirit is, is reviving us in the name of Jesus, Lord. I just pray that, God, you're going to help us to overcome our flesh by speed, feeding our spiritual body in the name of Jesus the nourishment of God's Word, the nourishment of prayer, the nourishment of fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, we're so glad you're here today. I'll be out there in the foyer, and I'd love to talk with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray on my way out to dismiss you. And if, if the guys in here could help us stack.